Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. I might create a new game. I looked at creating a game that just had four pockets on. I looked at the table, we started playing it. I went, you know what, I like this. It's a cross between Paul and Snooker. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Top pocket goal! It's what dreams are made of. They are going to the World Cup Finals! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. Kathleen McNamee here as always and I am joined by the one and only Emma Byrne to look ahead to the quarterfinals of the World Cup because quite a round of 16 it was with lots of surprises, lots of interesting things happening and uh, a few teams going all the way that we may not have expected. Although Emma's bet that England are going to win the whole thing is still on board since they managed to just scrape through. Um, but before we get into that, just a quick thing, uh, as you probably have heard, Off The Ball has today moved to a subscription model for our on-demand content. However, the Koi Gig podcast will remain freely available on all podcast platforms. So you get us all in the same places, all free. The reason for this is that four years ago, Off The Ball made a commitment to be part of the 2020 campaign to increase our coverage of women's sport. The Koi Gig podcast has been a major part of that and we feel uh, with the huge growth that this podcast has enjoyed over the past year in particular and with this being such a pivotal moment for the growth of women's football in Ireland we believe that the right thing to do is to keep this podcast freely available so we will be free in all the usual spots we are not going anywhere and uh, yeah you get to listen to me and Emma whistle on about everything and anything Emma round 16 done any what was the biggest surprise for you out of everything that happened over those few early mornings um well no major surprises result wise absolutely not I think the major surprise for me was Kira Walsh being fit Mm. that was a that was a bit of a shocker because uh, she actually had thought she'd done her ACL herself and usually when a player says that herself, like if I were a physio on the pitch and a player said to me, I've done my ACL, I would be definitely a little bit worried. She de- she said she heard something go, she felt something go, but no, she's perfect. And she played 113 minutes. So there's definitely no question over her fitness, which is great for England and great for us as spectators because she's a fantastic player. I think the other major talking point is England again and Lauren James and mm-hmm. that's, um, um, that was a bit of a shocker for me because she's generally quite calm, she's quite controlled and I haven't seen her do that before to be honest. I've seen her get a little bit ratty once or twice on the pitch. That but, happens uh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? But yeah, to do that at that moment <laughs> was very, very silly. So yeah, that was, a, that was a bit of a shocker for me. But apart from that, nothing really. It was, it was all Spain, Netherlands, Japan, Sweden, Australia, France, England, Colombia. It's what I expected, really. I was hoping for Jamaica, but I in my, ha- my heart said Jamaica, but my head said Colombia. Yeah. Even Sweden getting past the United States, that wasn't too much of a surprise for you? Not really, no. I mean, I did say I thought the United States would go through just because of their their history. You know, I when you actually looked at the, the previous games, it should have been Sweden, to be quite honest. They're go, they were going into the game in form. Um, not a great goal-scoring team, but solid and good, good at getting, getting forward. And 
the US went in in such bad form, like horrible mm. stats, um, completely new DNA on the pitch in terms of style, players, everything. So yeah, it wasn't a surprise for me, to be honest. It was a surprise that they had got there in the first place because Portugal should have beaten them in that final mm-hmm. game. Oh, they were so close. Like, even watching the Sweden game, I was like, I wish this was Portugal I was watching and not the United States. Although, if I had been watching it, that meant we would have been deprived the moment where Alyssa Naylor stepped up, got the penalty, (laughs) and also saved one afterwards. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you had to take a penalty and save one? Yes, um, but it was with Leakslip United. I'm not going to say how far back it was. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I had to take a penalty in the cup final and it went completely the opposite way than where I was thinking it was going to go. But it was top corner and everyone thought I I, like struck it so beautifully. But I was like, oh my God, total shank. It doesn't matter as long as it goes in, no one ever needs to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully there aren't too many of them listening to this podcast. And uh, well, next time you're back out at League Club, we won't be able to shame you into the actual truth. Um, So anyone who hasn't been following it, the quarterfinals, Spain versus the Netherlands, that's Friday, 2 a.m., which is very, very early. Uh, I feel like at 2 a.m. you might as well just stay up rather than going to bed. Japan, Sweden, half eight on Friday morning. And then Australia, France on Saturday at 8 a.m. And then England versus Colombia at half 11 on Saturday. Which of those ties do you think is going to be the crunch interesting tie that you're really looking forward to, bearing in mind the time? <laughs> so many. I honestly, I, I honestly cannot wait for the next game. And I have never been like this. There's, I'm always like, oh, there's a day off here. I'm going to do this. I'm like, when's the next game? When's the next game? Um, I cannot wait to see Japan play again. Don't mm-hmm. care who they're playing. I just want to see them play. They are just fantastic to watch. But I think it's going to be very interesting because Japan, their weaknesses in the air in set pieces. And Sweden's strengths are in the air and set pieces. In fact, it's all that we've really seen from Sweden. It's how good they are in set pieces. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that Japan, well, they don't give away. They don't give away mm. free kicks. They're so disciplined. And they do give away corners, but generally they're okay at defending corners, to be quite honest. Kumagi is in there. She does well. But yeah, I, I'm just hoping for Japan just because I just absolutely, I'm in love with Japan at the moment, totally in love. Um, also, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Spain do against the Netherlands because they've been poor, Spain. They changed their team for Switzerland. Switzerland aren't good. Like I'm not even, I, I don't think Switzerland are an opponent that I can talk about how, you know, Spain have score these goals they've improved no I'm not that's not what I'm going to talk about because Mm -hmm. the fact is they should have beaten Switzerland easily and they changed the team around which I find really interesting because (laughs) well first of all we should talk about the goalkeepers because he's changed the the Kata to Kata in goal who is the the keeper that sits on the bench at Barca for Sandro Panos who he has left behind not in the squad Mm -hmm. I find that that just that really baffles me. Anyway, um, I want to know what team he's going to pick. And if he picks the same team as Switzerland, that means he has dropped the players from the Japan game because of their form, because 
he blames them for the mistakes and he's generally annoyed about that um, because it's difficult. It's a difficult one for him. He's, they're, they're under serious pressure, Spain. And then we've got the Netherlands who've got this young team, really good players. Looking forward to see how Brutes does on the left. She was excellent the last four games. So just in, in general, I'm looking forward to see those two teams and the team selection from Spain more than anything. And do you think there's a team that he has, the Horryville had us over there that he can pick that will be effective against this Netherlands team? And because like, they're so close to like a semi-final, final sort of situation, which would be very strange for the Spanish team considering everything that has happened in the last year or so. Yeah, I mean, he's got loads of players. He's got loads of players he can pick from. They're so good. Uh, the problem with Spain has always been, including the men's team, is that number nine position. Mm-hmm. Um, against Switzerland, he actually had two number nines on the pitch. Like, it just goes from one extreme to the other. He's been playing Jenny Hermosa as number nine. She's not a number nine. She never runs into channels. She's excellent on the ball. My dad's just walking past her. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's excellent on the ball when she drops into midfield, but then you you struggle, don't you, with that number nine up there. He had two number nines against Switzerland, and Esther Gonzalez and Redondo, who are both excellent players, but who don't play... Gonzalez doesn't play for Real Madrid. She hasn't got the minutes in her legs. Um, So it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be more worried about the back line. I want to know if he's going to keep Laia Codina in there as centre-back, because poor Rocio didn't have a great game against Japan and also Ivana was injured and she didn't come back for that game so so yeah it's going to be interesting to see what back line he picks and if he picks Alexia Puteus in the squad mm-hmm. she she didn't play against Switzerland so yeah it's all about team selection for me but he has loads of players to choose from it just depends on whether he wants to play a number not one number nine two number nines or no number nines yeah, I mean, again, it's just frustrating. Like, that's the thing about the Spanish team. We should be going into these games being like, we're excited to see them. And maybe there's like one or two positions where you're wondering how he's going to line certain players up. But as you say, the fact that he's changing around so much, it doesn't like give the team a chance to build any consistency or any sort of proper style of play. When you And you watch these players whenever they play for their clubs and they're such beautiful footballers. You feel like something is being taken from us, the fact that we're not getting to see the Spanish team home in the way that we know it probably could if the proper person was in, in front of it. Well, well yeah, I mean, it, it, he's got the players, he's got a team with six, seven players that has won the Champions League that would be considered the best players in the world um, and they, they just can't get past the quarterfinal stage. But you, you also have to think, how is he managing the players? If I were in goal for that game against Japan and Misa wasn't at fault for the goals and he dropped me for the next game, he has got to have some very good player management skills to get my confidence back up for, for the next game. He really does. So I'm hoping he does, but it's, if he picks the same team he picks against Switzerland, he's dropped the players because he has blamed them for that Japan result. And that is a huge statement. Mm-hmm. And then looking at the Netherlands, their opposition, Van der Donk, I think it's actually the only player that's like missing for the next game because of a yellow card in the last round. 
is that a major going to be a major miss for them? I mean, she is one of their top players. Uh, sorry, I didn't catch that. You cut a little bit. Van der Donk being missing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big, big player. Big little player. Big little She's, player. Yeah. And one of the She's memes like, of the tournament as well with her swimming cap. Yeah, I've never seen that before, by the way. Uh, it's a good idea. But um, yeah, massive player for the Netherlands. Huge player as in terms of her stature on the pitch. She's such an aggressive player for them. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to replace her. However, she does give away a lot of free kicks. She, she does uh, get caught a little bit in that she gets frustrated. So it's not not a huge thing for them. And again, they have big players that they can replace them, r- replace her with. Like that young player that came on, um, is it Snooze that came on? Snooze started last week. I think yeah. she's... She's very good. She plays higher, but it just allows Jill Roard to to drop a little bit deeper um, and fill up that space. The Netherlands, you know, they they struggle at the back a little bit, like Spain. They're not very quick at the back. Um, I think Spain will exploit that. But um, in general, I think it's going to be a Spain win, to be honest. I think they've turned a corner there. I think Japan schooled them into, kind of shocked them into... And um, moving up the gear. So, yeah, I fancy Spain for that one. So, in one of the other quarterfinals, we have the home team, Australia, and they are facing uh, France in that one, which is a repeat of the warm up game that they had just before the World Cup started. Mary Fowler got the only goal there. I think she scored it was like 65th, 66th minute um, at the time. And yeah, an interesting one. I've know quite a few of the Australian journalists and as things go on they're getting more and more excited about their potential is France going to be the one to stop them do you think at this point or do you think they have another run in them it's really difficult to call this one actually because Australia hasn't impressed me at all although the fact that Sam Kerr is, is fit. I mean, I was even cheering on the sideline. Oh, I was getting so excited. She's getting ready because there was such a big question mark and it, just confusion. Didn't really understand what was happening there because calf injury. Okay, she's going to miss the first game. She's going to miss the second game 100%. She'll be back for the third. On the bench for the third. She's saying she's fit, but... She's not getting on. She's not warming up. She's sitting out of training as they, uh, all of these this secret information comes out. I'm like, no, no, no. They, they, they just don't want to tell us the truth. Like her calf, like yeah. calf is so delicate, blah, blah, blah. Next of all, she's getting her shirt on. I'm like, what's going on? I've just literally said she is not playing in this World Cup. <laughs> and on she comes. And I just think... <laughs> I personally thought there was a massive change when she came on the pitch, I think. And I think this was one of the things that she was trying to dilute a little bit. Her team does not need her. Her team got there without her. But when she came on the pitch, it was so obvious her team just like as if they just were exhilarated. They could breathe again. They started to play much better football. Um. So I think with her on the pitch, Australia do look 10 times better, whether they want to admit that or not, or whether she wants to admit that or not. Even, you know, we're looking at 
uh, Caitlin Ford, she looks like a better player when Sam's on the pitch. Steph Catley mm-hmm. pushes up a little bit. So much more confidence. So I think with Sam Kerr on the pitch, I think they can beat France because France's back, two centre-backs are very dodgy. And I think that's where she's going to thrive. So I'm going to go Australia with that one, which might be a bit of a surprise to some people. They will, yeah, they will love you in Australia for that. I'm surprised you said Australia. I thought, like, for all the reasonings you said there, I totally understand. But I thought you would still think that France kind of just had that little edge of class, maybe in a couple of more positions than Australia did. But also, I suppose you can as well take away the fact that Australia have that home advantage and they have, by and large, kind of soaked that atmosphere up and used it as something to push themselves on. Um, they rather do. Than let France it get do. Them massively. France do have more quality in their side. But this is where Australia come into their own. Australia are a team that were always going to flourish in the, the later stage in stages in this tournament because they're a team that enjoy counter-attacking football. This is the first team that they co- will come up against that will dominate possession over them. So they will be happy for France to have the ball and then counter. That's what they do. So I think we're actually going to see the the Australia that we were expecting to see in the quarterfinals because of mm. that. Do you think there's a danger in that sometimes a lot of football Australia have played in this tournament, you know, they haven't been afraid to go in for the heavy challenges or kind of get in on top of people, whether that's mentally or we've seen it quite a lot with some of the battles that Hayley Rasso has had over various different matches, not just the Ireland one, you know, there have been a few. And considering how testy the match between the two of them was before the World Cup even started, when there was, you know, technically nothing on the line apart from a bit of pride and a bit of momentum going into the game, do you think that's going to be an element we see used by Australia? Or will Gustafsson be trying to draw that back a little bit, considering the fact that there is a potential semi final final coming up and losing uh, Caitlin Ford or even, I mean, someone like Mary Fowler, the ball she put in for that Caitlin Ford goal was like absolutely lovely she's become very very important to this team over the tournament yeah I mean there there are only a few individuals in that Australia team that are considered physical and and Hayley Rasso is one of them like she she that is her game as well she will go for every single ball she'll go for balls that you will close your eyes in because she just doesn't I feel like she you could never ask Hayley Rasso to play a very tactical pressing game, put it that way, because she just goes and there's no other way. <laughs> like so, so that is her game. That's going to be her game against France. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting clash between her and Karshawi. She also has to worry about uh, Basha because they play very well together and Australia's midfield are very narrow. They've uh, Kira Cooney Cross, who's had a really good tournament, by the way, and um, Katrina Gorey, who doesn't go in for those physical battles. So yeah, it's going to be difficult for Russell because I think she's going to have to be tracking back a lot. And um, so I think Australia are going to try and play down their left hand side, and I'm hoping Steph Catley pushes up a little bit because when she does, that kind of opens up a a completely different door for them. 
So yeah, in terms of phys- physical battles, I don't think we're going to see a physical battle. I think it's going to be very, very tactical, and I think it's it's going to be all about that midfield um, with Cooney Cross and and Gory, and depends on if they're going to play Kenza Daly. Uh, Samara will obviously play in there so I think she's going to be occupied with Kira Kuni Cross so yeah it's going to be individual battles all over the pitch mm. and for our final game England Colombia uh, it's actually nice to see how, that there are a few teams in here that we have faced over the last couple of months from an Irish perspective um, even if it was only for 22 odd minutes Colombia one of the stories of the tournament as in how far they've got or as in that friendly? <laughs> <laughs> as in how far they've got. I mean, we, we were briefly a story of the tournament for about a day and then I think everyone has forgotten about us now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the story of the tournament is that they, they beat Germany. That's the, the And that game in general, that was for me the game that really lit it up. Um, I really like Colombia. I just love watching them play. It's there they they could lose 5-0. They could they could win 6-5. It's that kind of thing. They definitely leak, can leak goals <clears throat> because they commit players and they leave so many gaps and it's only they Germany didn't do it but but England will. England will totally exploit those gaps at the back. So they're not going to change either. <laughs> they're no. not going to change. That's how they play. Um, so they just have to try and keep possession when they have the ball, which they don't do. They turn over possession very easily. I think in the Germany game, they had 57% pass accuracy. That's nearly half of their passes going back to Germany. And Germany didn't exploit that. England will 100%. But it's all mm-hmm. about Colombia going forward and they love to do it and they do it so quickly. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing Ramirez playing on that right-hand side up against Rachel Daly. I think that's going to be very interesting. And for me, I I love watching Lacey Santos and the left side of that three. I think she's a great player. I think she's very, very clever. She's very good in the air for, I think she's five foot, five foot one. And she's very good in the air. So just just little things like that, those little battles. They're very strong. They're very aggressive. Usme's deliveries are incredible. Um, England could win 4-0 or Colombia could win 3-0. Like it's just one of those games. Like it de- all depends on Colombia and how much energy they have. They looked a little bit tired against mm. Jamaica. Oh, obviously, they're going to have loads of energy. It's you know it's a massive game it's a knockout game and um yeah another game I'm, I'm really looking forward to I really hope it is as you say that sort of battle where it's a bit of a like it's just a back and forth between the two and England don't get like two quick goals or something and that kind of like ruins it for the rest of the game I want proper like battles all over the pitch you're like Colombia might nearly score and then England counter attack and it's just like back and forth and you don't know what's happening that's what you need for a game like this um considering the teams that are involved you mentioned there Ramirez and Rachel Daly why is that one of the battles on the pitch that you're picking out that's going to be particularly interesting well because Rachel Daly is not a natural left back even though she's played two major tournaments there (laughs) Um, she's not a natural left back. She gets caught out of position. Like if I were playing against England and I've watched those games, I you can 
pinpoint the time she gets caught out. There's massive gaps. Alex Greenwood has to come across, which leaves another gap. But it's it's all about how you can get that ball to that. And Ramirez is, uh, she just, physically, I haven't seen anybody match her. So if they can get the ball to her, she likes to run with the ball as well. She's quick. Mm-hmm. So for a player to be that physical and that quick, is they, they might not have come up against someone like that. Um, if they can get the ball to Ramirez in a 1v1 situation, and it's all about how she uses it though, which I think might be a problem because it, she tends not to know when to release the ball and when to take them on. But uh, she does get, she does get results and she is a very dangerous player. So I just want to see how that goes. Will Rachel Daly stay back because of Ramirez? Like that will be a, a, that in itself is a major tactical blow for England, not getting Rachel Daly forward. Um, So yeah, it's all about the tact. What what I'm loving about this World Cup is all the ways you can talk about the football, the tactics, Mm -hmm. also how good the goalkeepers are doing. Like they're just, they've just been incredible major bonus so um yeah all tactical and and the technical side of it it's just been brilliant also like three of the last round matches all up the goalkeeper is like the player of the match or something ridiculous there was like it seems like they have kind of taken over the world cup as you know a lot of the time it'll be people who are scoring particularly excellent goals but it very much feels like it's the goalkeepers and the excellent saves and how much they're keeping their teams in it a lot of the time that are getting the coverage yeah, yeah, there's there is a stat out there. I can't remember it now, but uh, the the amount of clean sheets is incredible in this in this World Cup, and it is because of the goalkeeping. And yes, I can pick out three at least. Well, no, three. I'd say three major errors that I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. That let's just forget about that. But that's three. Yeah, it's nothing, it's 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 an excellent stat, and I just think the quality has been gen. Just, just generally really, really good, and it's about time. And it just shows when you invest in that, invest in that position, invest in your coaches, and uh, that's what happens. Do you have a particular goalkeeper at the moment that's kind of ahead of the others in terms of impressing you? Well, I'd have to talk about Mary Earps. I think she's been incredible, even though she has been, she hasn't had much to do, to be honest. But that's why she's incredible because she has made some. Brilliant, brilliant saves, um, and that's difficult for a goalkeeper when you're you're doing absolutely nothing to then have to 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 do that. But yeah, it is certainly a reason why England are confident at the back. Not a reason. It's not the reason why they're there because well, quite it was quite crucial. Yeah, <laughs> in, in some of those games. But yeah, I think she's been excellent, and also difficult for a goalkeeper who has had an amazing tournament in the Euros, amazing season to continue that, like to keep that consistency um, is difficult, really difficult to do. So she's been brilliant. But uh, yeah, obviously I'm going to mention Rebecca Spencer for Jamaica, three clean sheets in the group stages. She's only conceded one goal in the whole tournament. So yeah, she's been brilliant also. Yeah, when Mary Earps was like walking over towards the goal for the penalty, it's like I would love to have been in her head in that moment. She just looked like a dog ready to get out of the traps. She was like in the moment, ready to go. And I was like, I feel sorry for anyone having to actually face her right now because she just looked so in tune and like she was going to do whatever she could to keep that ball out of the net. 
She would have been in her element at that moment. She, she really would have been <laughs> really enjoying that moment because she is extremely confident. She's an extremely confident goalkeeper person in general. Um, and that's what makes her so good as well. You have to have that thick skin. You have to be confident. And if you're not, you have to be able to fake it. So even if she's not feeling that great, you would never know. You would never, ever know. Yeah, I'd really encourage anyone that's listening to the podcast at the moment to go back and read some of the interviews she did around the Euros last year because it was really interesting because last year was her big moment and it was her breakout moment. But for so many years before that, all the talk had been about, you know, Ellie Roebuck coming in and then obviously she got injured and has had quite a like difficult time coming back into the sort of form that she had been in before. But you listen to Mary Earps and like the stuff she's been through over the years and how like at one stage she like talked about just sitting on her parents' kitchen floor crying, being like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. And then to go to the heights she has in the last year in particular, it's just it's a really, really good journey. So definitely one for anyone um, that wants to read a little bit more about Mary Earps. Very funny person as well. I'll never forget her jumping up on top of the table in front of Serena Wiegmann after they won the Euros. All the journalists were just sitting around being like, what? What is going on? Um, so we are saying to go through Spain, Japan, Australia, England? Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be England, Australia, Australia, England, semis, Japan, Spain. Mm. England, Australia, semi would be quite interesting considering how many of those players play against each other in the WSL. It would just feel like watching a random, I don't know, Arsenal Chelsea game or something. Um, well, <laughs> which is not that far away, actually, all things considered, because the WSL season is right around the corner. Premier League, of course, back this week as well. So football's ramping up, and we still have lots of good matches to come in the World Cup. It's very exciting. Uh, Emma, thank you very much, as always. The Koi Gig Podcast on OTB is brought to you by Cadbury, official snap partner to the Republic of Ireland Women's national team uh we will be back as we always are with more podcasts coming since there is still plenty more football to play thank you all for listening and joining along and please do get any thoughts queries comments into us at the koi gig pod on twitter we always enjoy hearing from you and thank you for listening the koi gig pod on otb sports in association with cadbury a player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support 